Whoa. Wait a minute. Huh? Hold up. What? Oh, okay. Did we just lose the f***ing Canucks? You're listening to Halford and Bruff. Centering feed intended for Garland comes up front. They score! Dakota Joshua cutting to the net. He dinks to the backhand and tucks it past a sprawling Peter Mrazek. That's unbelievable right there. That shows how tight this team is, um, knowing the character we have in our room. Phil Kessel has arrived to meet with the Canucks. The hot dog! We have a wiener! The Department of Fire Safety has suspended Morgan Riley for five games. <laughs> Good morning, Vancouver 601 on a Wednesday. Happy Wednesday, everybody. It is Halford. It is Bruff. It is Sportsnet 650. We are coming to you live from the Kintech Studios in beautiful Fairview Slopes in Vancouver. Jason, good morning. Good morning. A-Dog, good morning to you. Good morning. Laddie, good morning to you. Hello, hello. And intern Jag, good morning to you as well. Morning. Uh, Halford and Bruff in the morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. We got a big show ahead. Big, big show ahead. So much to get into from last night. One of the busiest nights of this NHL season that I can remember. There was a lot of stories that we need to get into. We're going to start that at 6.30 with Jeff Merrick, host of the Jeff Merrick Show and the 32 Thoughts Podcast. Uh, We will talk to him about the Vancouver Canucks not just getting another win this time in Chicago, but also the looming return of Phil Kessel to the National Hockey League by way of Abbotsford. We'll talk to Jeff about that at 6.30, 7 o'clock. We're going to keep it on the Canucks. We're going to go into the prospect pool. Scott Wheeler, NHL draft and prospects experts from The Athletic, is going to join us. The Athletic is rolling out its annual prospect pool rankings across the National Hockey League. The good news for the Canucks, they're all the way up to number 18. Oh, my on God. The rankings. 18. The bad is that they started at 28th last They're nearly going to make the playoffs in the prospect rankings. No, they're not. They're still four spots out, but that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Two spots out. Uh, Scott Wheeler is going to join us at 7. 8 o'clock, Manny Viveros, the head coach of the Western Hockey League's Vancouver Giants. We are giving away something new today to the listeners as well. That's a big development. A $100 gift card to Bridge Brewing. Yes, the folks that make primetime craft beer. We're going to give away a $100 gift card to primetime Bridge Brewing for the best what we learned. And I think it's appropriate that you have to win with a beer emoji, like the little glass with the suds on top. Okay? Everyone got that? Hashtag it, WWL. What did you learn over the last 24 hours in sports? Text it to 650-650. That's the Dunbar number text line. And tell us, uh, make it good, too. That's important. And put a beer emoji into the text. We are coming to you live from the Kintech studio. Kintech, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, powered by thousands of five-star Google reviews. Sore feet, what are you waiting for? Kintech. I can't believe I forgot to throw to you for that. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, you're- I was really excited to talk about the show. Yeah. And I forgot about Kintech. No, I, I actually like it because it means you're not on automatic robot Halford. I'm his, trying red, to- his red shirt's throwing him off. I wore a red shirt today. Yeah. I don't know why. Is that one of Tiger Woods' Sunday red? It's not. So Sun... sun- Break day, break red. red. Um, I got changed in the dark this morning. Okay, <laughs> and and you I, saw and you saw that bright red shirt. It was like lighting up your room. It's actually. also inside. It out. looked great. It illuminated the room. <laughs> and so anyway, I got in, and then they flicked on the live stream, the camera for the live stream, and I was like, 
I can't believe I'm wearing red. But anyway, I am wearing red. The Canucks are winning. We got a lot to get into. So, Laddie, without further ado, let's tell everybody what happened. Hey, did you guys see the game last night? No. Oh, what happened? I missed all the action because I was... We know how busy your life can be. What happened? Missed that? You missed that? What Happened is brought to you by the BC Construction Safety Alliance, making safety simpler by giving construction companies the best in tools, resources, and safety training. Visit them online at bccsa.ca. Dakota Joshua from the third line had three points, and Connor Garland from the third line scored two goals. Vancouver Canucks have a very businesslike win over the Chicago Blackhawks on Tuesday, 4-2 at the United Center. Take care of business. Go home. Take your points. The third line. I love that line so much. So much of the game of hockey is about winning puck battles, and that's not easy. I know we all love the speed and skill, and speed and skill is obviously important. But you need to get the puck first, and then you have to hold on to it. This third line wants the puck so badly, and they work so hard to keep it. And now you're seeing the bottom line of all that hard work. We didn't necessarily see the goals early in the season. I remember um, a lot of talk about Connor Garland's lack of finish, a lot of it coming from me and wondering if maybe he should use a longer stick or something. And Dakota Joshua, who, you know, still makes stick handling look tough at times, but man, he's putting the puck in the net. And these guys aren't just grinders either. Uh, there's also been a good amount of creative playmaking shown by the third line, um, especially I would say most of all by Teddy Bluger, the center, who's had some really nice passes, yep. which I did not expect when the Canucks signed him. On the first goal by Garland, Hronik made a nice quick up to Garland, who gave it to Joshua, who gave it back to Garland for the goal. Uh, they call that a give-and-go, Halford. I don't know if you've heard that in sports. Give-and-go. I give, so, you go. You give, I go. Yeah. I get it. All four Canucks lines dominated against the Blackhawks, who are terrible. Uh, even Luke Richardson, the head coach of the Blackhawks, last night was just like, you know, we've liked the effort they in the try. last few games. They do try really hard. They did I'll last give, night. I'll give them credit. Luke Richardson last night was like, we didn't like our effort last night. The, the effort in the first period was bad, granted. Yeah, it took them, what, 18 minutes and a power play to uh, get their first sorry, shot? Sorry, 19 minutes and 30 seconds. They got their first shot in the first period with 30 seconds left, and then they got the Bronx cheer from the United Center faithful. Uh, for the Canucks, the third line had three goals. And oddly enough, the line we talked about wanting to see yesterday, Rick Tockett must have been listening to the show because he put it together. Hoaglinder, Lindholm, and Pedersen got the other one after some really nice work on the forecheck by Elias Lindholm. That was a great forecheck. Lindholm used that. He's, he's a big dude. I, I actually didn't appreciate how big and strong he was. He used his big body to move the Blackhawks defenseman off the puck. Jacob Menga. Magna. Well, <laughs> Menga. Magna. 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 Magna did, Magna. Not, did not look good on that. No. He just got shoved out of the way. And that left Hoaglander, another goal for Hoagie, the opportunity to sweep in and pick up the loose I'm puck. I'm about your Hoagie. So another goal for Hoaglander. Uh, the Canucks weren't perfect on the night. The Blackhawks' first goal came on the power play after Bluger tried to flip it high and send Lindholm on a breakaway. One problem, he didn't flip it high enough. 
and Lindholm gambled and lost, and I think it was Felino at the point that kept it in. Um, and their second came against the third line and gave up a goal. Unbelievable. After Quinn Hughes ruining it for the third line, got caught pinching, and the Hawks scored on a two-on-one. But overall, this was a domination by the Canucks, and Rick Tockett called it a business-like win just because the Canucks should dominate a team like the Hawks, and the Canucks out, ended up outshooting them 38-23. Uh, to 23. There were maybe a few worrying moments um, when the Blackhawks made it 2-1. to one. They very nearly made it 2-2 two to two, uh, on a on, they hit the crossbar, and then it went the other way for that Lindholm forecheck. Yep. And Hoaglander goal. So, um, but I mean, listen, the Canucks probably would have won it anyway because they were the far better team on the night. There should be one and only one predominant takeaway from this game, and that's the third line. So, Sportsnet Stats sent out a graphic last night in the Canucks' last 30 games, a stretch in which they've gone. An NHL best 21, 4, and 5. The third line is combined for, guess how many points in the last 30 games that line is combined for? I have no idea. 60. That's crazy. It's the third line. Mm-hmm. Dakota Joshua has 10 goals and 10 assists. Connor Garland has 9 goals and 11 assists. You mentioned Teddy Bluger's playmaking. He's got 16 assists in the last 30 games. Yeah. They are contributing at a clip. That the majority of other NHL teams would love to see out of their first line. <laughs> it is a it is a crazy thing to the point where I'm not even really interested because I, the post game show I was listening in on the way in and they were talking about oh you know the top six forward group at five on five and I'm like look good hockey teams have depth and good hockey teams can rely on different units and different groups and different lines at stages of the season at stages of the to season to pick up the slack when other guys aren't going. And that's what talk had said, but you know that the coaching staff is worried about getting the top six going at five on five. Understandable. I would say to that, look, take your time. You can rely, play the third line more. <laughs> Figure things out with your top six and turn these guys into your top six. There is nothing that these guys aren't doing well right now, and that's what you put in the notes. Like you're lo- you love everything about this line. Yeah, You love their tenacity on the puck. You love their playmaking ability. You're mm-hmm. kind of starting to love their finish now yeah. because the one thing that they didn't have was finding the back of the net. Garland and uh, Joshua have 19 goals combined in the last 30 games. Yeah. Like it's almost every game that they're putting up points. They start every game now because they bring the energy. They've been the best. I, I, they were the best line on that that trip throughout the five games. I would say collectively, oh, easily. And last night they put a punctuation mark on it. There were times in that first period where it felt like the Canucks had the puck for I don't know three three and a half minutes at the time. Like the the Chicago Blackhawks not having any shots through nineteen minutes and thirty seconds was fully earned and fully deserved. They didn't have the puck enough to shoot it, and the third line was just out there just churning and spinning and keeping going it's impressive to watch again had no inclination that this could be a thing let alone be one of the best things in the season but it's the best third line in the nhl without question and it's turning into one of the best stories in the nhl this year name all the other third lines in the nhl well uh vegas has one edmonton has one I don't need to know the components of another third line because if you can tell me yes, that... Do they have business cards that say the third line? By the way, the guy that put the no-name brand third line, like the chip bag... It was pretty good. Yeah, that was pretty good. That's that's. They should make shirts, actually, and have, wear them around. Uh, so the Canucks are back home 
Um, their last home game was that Columbus game before the All-Star break, which seems like a long time ago. Kind of was. January 27th, the one that they were down 4-1. They came back to win in overtime. Uh, they'll host the Red Wings, the grittying Red Wings, on Thursday. And then, and then Saturday, they host the Winnipeg Jets. So two interesting games coming up. First of all, revenge against the Detroit Red Wings, I say, as I roll my eyes. But also a pretty tough game Saturday night, Hockey Night in Canada against the Winnipeg Jets. And guess what? Then it's back on the road for Minnesota, Colorado, and Seattle. Uh, I'll really be interested to see how they play in Colorado. Yep. And then it's home for some fun opponents, Boston, Pittsburgh, the LA Kings. Like they have it's a, t- it's a tough road to hoe. But but and but then, you know, it's it's not long before the trade deadline and that nine game home stretch. They they've already played a lot of games on the road. Mm-hmm. They've got a really home heavy stretch um for most of the rest of the season and hopefully that will give them advantage. They've been good on the road and at Rogers Arena this season. So, um, you know, I'm not sure how much more of an advantage, but, you know, things th- I still, you know, I still have to take a moment just to say how incredible this season has gone. Mm-hmm. This was the adversity trip, and there were some moments on this trip for sure. They but dabbled at the end in of the adversity. Day, yeah. They dabbled in adversity. Mm-hmm. They're like they're like everything in moderation, including adversity. You know, the Boston game did not go well, but they ended three one and one on the road trip. So let's get to the Phil Kessel news because okay. Halford. We can talk about the other stuff. We got to talk about. Kessel. Well, I, I wanted we to talk I, about. Okay, Kessel. well, I, Phil Kessel is. You actually segued in nicely because we've been talking a lot about vibes on this team, right? The good vibes. By the way, Laddie. Before we get to Kessel, I do want to play this because I think it ties in nicely. There was a moment yesterday near the end of the game where Mackenzie Entwistle buried Connor Garland. And who stepped up for Connor Garland? It was his liney, Dakota Joshua. And, you know, had a scrap. And you know what? I thought about it in the aftermath. He had a scrap on two goals. He could have been out there with the empty net at the end, but he was busy serving his time in the sin bin, sticking up for Connor Garland. Connor Garland, unprompted, in his walk-off interview with Kate Pedersen, brought this up. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll play the audio now. So I, I, I don't know if we have the question or not. If we don't, I'll just paraphrase it real quick. Kate basically said, what are you most looking forward to about getting back to Vancouver? Not a leading question in any way. Here's what Connor Garland had to say. Oh, I owe Dak a dinner tonight. That's um, that's unbelievable right there. That shows how tight this team is um, and the character we have in our room to do that. Um, you know, we got a good group in there, so we're just going to enjoy uh Tonight, and then we'll, we'll fly back in the morning and be ready for uh, Detroit and the home homework. We haven't been home with our fans in a while, so we're excited. Do you remember at the start of the season when training camp opened? And it was like, is Connor Garland forcing his way out? And then him and Dakota Joshua got into, like, they were slashing each other, got into a little bit of, like, a, an FU contest. Well, do you remember when uh, Rick Tockett was throwing shade at Dakota Joshua? They're, those two guys were pretty maligned at the beginning of the year. Yeah. That's fair to say, right? Mm-hmm. They were The spotlight was on them and not for a good reason. And now they're like the best of buds on a team where the vibes are like sky high. You know, Joshua heard about Garland's remarks and that he was asked, you know, oh, Garland's going to take you out for dinner. He's like, well, it better be somewhere expensive. So it's good. Like Now, I say all this because the Phil Kessel thing comes up. 
And yesterday, multiple reports. And shout out to Canucks Twitter, who managed to break the story ahead of everyone by taking a picture of Phil Kessel at YVR with his Vegas Golden Knights bag on the carousel, playing on his phone. Phil Kessel could is... Could have been anyone. Sorry? It could have been anyone. It could have been any former Vegas Golden Knight with ties to the Pittsburgh Penguins organization. It just happened to be Phil Kessel. However... Uh, we will. Do you want to play the audio from Dolly here? Or do you want? Do you have something you want to say first? Let's play the audio from Rick Dollywall about what exactly is going to happen, how this came to be, and what the future has in store for Phil Kessel and the Vancouver Canucks. Well, a big turn of events this afternoon in Vancouver is Phil Kessel has arrived to meet with the Canucks. He's going to work out for them, skate for them as well, and if everything goes well, then a possible signing. Last week, I said the Canucks were poking around Kessel. Well, there's a great relationship there with Rick Tockett. Uh, Jim Rutherford and Patrick Elvin as well. The Canucks talked with Kessel's camp in the summer, uh, but uh, elected to go with younger players at the time, and they also had too many bodies at camp as well. Uh, three to four teams have kept in touch with Kessel's agent, Wade or not throughout this entire process, obviously including the Canucks. That's why he's here. Now, Kessel's going to provide, if he signs, uh, depth and scoring as well. I got my wish. I really wanted to see Kessel, but you got to understand where that's coming from. That's because I like Phil Kessel is one of my favorite hockey players of the last two decades. For what what reason is he? Your um, I like okay. The personality is a big part the of it. Personality right? is the personality is the would you say that's top of the list? Possibly the driving. Also, the fact like the way that he looks and the way that he kind of carries himself. Like, yeah, um, yeah. give me a, a coke and a burger, and I'll go out and pot two goals. I love all that. There is a great quote from Clayton Keller. Um, and he said, former teammate in Arizona, I know he's been working out and skating and hoping for a job here soon. He's just an unbelievable teammate. One of the best guys that I've played with just in terms of the locker room and how he treats people. He's always in a good mood. I'm really hoping that he can get a job here soon. And of course, there was that quote from Rick Tockett. It was a short quote, but he said, there's value in Phil Kessel. Yeah. So the question I have is, where is the value for the Vancouver Canucks. Where does he fit in the current lineup? Could he play with Petey? Uh, asking him to play a top six role at this point in his career. I don't know about that. Does he still have the legs? Well, that's why I'm not like, yeah, that guy's great legs. Does he? Can he keep right. up in the NHL? I guess that's why they're going to go skate him in Abbotsford and see how he looks. Like, there's no guarantee no that guarantee. they're going to give this that's guy a, good point. a contract. But it's, you know, it's trending that way. Um could he be? Could they be bringing him in for the room? I know he's won a few Stanley Cups. Um, maybe they feel that they need a guy like that in the room, or at the very least, why not bring him in? Um, and the final question is just how fun is this all going to be? The season has already been really fun. Then you bring in a guy like Phil Kessel mm-hmm. to to add to it. Um, you know, listen. I I still I I have to admit I'm I'm struggling to see the fit, but maybe this is part of a bigger plan by a management and coaching staff that has been pretty much knocking every move out of the park this season. It could be as simple as nothing Always ventured, won. nothing gained from the Canucks' perspective. If you don't try it, then you'll never know. And if you try it, the risk is so incredibly low. Like, what's the what's the worst thing that happens here? is that they bring him in and they realize that he he can't keep up even in a complimentary role or a part-time role. And they say, you know, thanks. You get, you get to see what Abbotsford looks mm-hmm. like, right? There's a casino out there. Go play some poker. Like, yeah. You know, that's about it. Big picture, 
they're probably hoping. And, you know, you did see this earlier in the year. Now, granted, uh, apples to bowling balls in terms of comparison and players. But, like, Zach Parise joined the Colorado Avalanche not too long ago after basically doing a carbon copy of what Kessel did last year. He played all 82 games in the regular season, took a bunch of time off. Kessel actually got some playoff games and just kind of waited. Mm-hmm. And there was some thought that it was, okay, uh, Parise more wanted to not go through the rigors of an, another 82-game regular season. He was going to join someone midway just so that he could spend time with his family and rest and recover his body. It sounded like Kessel wanted to play straight away from the start of the year, but now is where he's getting his look at it. I'm with you on I have a hard time seeing the actual fit. Like, I love it from a personal perspective, but his last NHL game was a playoff game in Winnipeg on April 24th of 2023. Mm-hmm. He played nine minutes and 42 seconds, and then he was a healthy scratch for the rest of the playoffs. He sat with Teddy Bluger. He did, right? That's Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> they were just like, where do you get to watch? Now, uh, Sat and Bick talked a ton about this on the postgame show yesterday. And they brought up all the things you would kind of assume. The most logical stuff, right? Is it's like, you have to really love hockey at 36 to come back and, like, one, keep in shape. And then, two, try and work your way back like Phil Kessel's doing. Mm -hmm. Like, Phil Kessel could have called it a career and said, I had my time. I had my day. Yeah. I played for a long time. I've been a member of three Stanley Cup teams. Like, there's not a ton more I need to accomplish in the NHL. So, you have to love the game a lot to be coming back and doing this. And secondly, if the legs are still there... You could find far worse options as a emergency injury replacement than Phil Kessel, right? You could, I mean, he did score 14 goals last year for Vegas, so he's got some pop left. Are the is the skating speed there? Probably not. But you're talking about if you have aspirations of going deep, you're going to suffer some injuries along the way, mm-hmm. and you could find worse guys to plug into your lineup than Phil Kessel. By the way, if you're in Abbotsford. The plan right now, they've got a week off. Mm -hmm. They played last Saturday. They don't play again until Saturday the 17th, this upcoming Saturday. Is he just going to practice with them then? I imagine he'll skate for a couple days, and then you'd think they have to look at him in a game. I mean, I've got no – I didn't talk to anyone about this. I didn't reach out. This happened late. I woke up early. My guess would be that with games on Saturday and Monday, the rare 2 p.m. matinee on Monday for family day Mm -hmm. out in Abbotsford – at the very least, he's got an opportunity to get a game in. Right. In which case, he would be coached by Jeremy Colleton, who's three years older than Phil Kessel, which is a great story all on its own. So I'm hoping that it works out. I Like you kind of alluded to, putting faith in the process that, uh, one, this management group has done a good job at pro scouting, and two, all their other previous relationships from Pittsburgh seem to have worked out great. You know, like, name me a guy that they brought over from Pittsburgh be it the coaching at the coaching level, the player level, that hasn't been a pretty good fit. Yeah, I'm happy with it. So uh, hopefully it works out. Uh, we'll talk to Jeff Merrick coming up about Phil Kessel, and of course Merrick was in Toronto when Phil Kessel was in Toronto, um, and he's followed his career super closely. The other guy we can talk to about Phil Kessel is uh, Manny Viveros. Yeah, that's right. At eight o'clock, because he was an assistant. Uh, coach with the Vegas Golden Knights. So they definitely were on they were on the same team, Manny and, and Phil, like for sure. You're just going to Google that real quick. Yep. Um, so the other things we're going to talk about with Jeff Merrick coming up is Morgan Riley getting five games and me being right again about the suspension length. I guess five, you guys all went six. Yeah, you're right. I, I think uh, 
Laddie took bid one dollar, just in case we were all over. <laughs> you did do the prices right. By the way, Manny was the um, head coach of the AHL's Henderson Silver Knights. Okay, yeah, he wasn't the assistant. So he coach wasn't. As, so he kind of knows him from the organization. Oh no, from the organization, he might know. He's like the black ace of coaches, right? He would have okay. been at camp and stuff. I was yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, sure. Shoehorned that one in. So it, you know what was funny about the Leafs last night is uh, they didn't have Riley, and they were also missing Marner and Tavares illnesses or something like that yep. and they still went out and beat the blues four to one and you just know they're going to try and rally around this aren't they like they're yeah. just gonna they're just gonna be like the nhl is out to get us but they can't get us um apparently brad Living is going to talk to the media today about the suspension that so should be entertaining i'm sure he's got some sort of speech lined up also who is bobby mcmahon because he had a hat trick for the leafs last night I don't know. I thought he Bobby was Bobby McMahon. I thought he was a soccer analyst for Fox, but it turns out that he plays for the uh, Toronto Leafs. <laughs> By the way, he I does both. I want to go to I want to go to break with this. Laddie strolled in here this morning. He's like, you see the Leafs game last night, and then his headline was uh, Leafs shop Tavares ahead of trade deadline. Like, Why do you need him? Why do you need him? Well, Marner too. Yeah, Connor McDavid had a six assist night as well. The uh, Red Wings weren't doing many gritties last night against the Edmonton. <laughs> they were sure allowing a lot of goals, though, especially in the third period. And the L.A. Kings, we can talk about the L.A. Kings. Oh, they yeah. got embarrassed in Buffalo. 7 to nothing was the final. Anze Kopitar, former Selkie Trophy winner and considered one of the best two-way forwards in NHL history, was a minus six on the night. First Selkie winner in NHL history to go minus six in a single game. So congrats, Anze. You did it. The plus-minus talk on the Halford and I know. I was I love so it. excited. I love it. I was so happy when that stat hit it. yesterday. Does that mean he's the worst defensive forward on the LA Kings? Yeah. Because he went, I mean. Maybe of all time. Sense. It Maybe makes sense, time. right? He's not going to win the Bud Light Trophy now. There's no chance. <laughs> Jeff Merrick coming up next on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Everything connected. Before and after the games, Canucks Central with Dan Riccio and Satyar Shah. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Six thirty-three on a Wednesday. Happy Wednesday, everybody! Halford Bruff Sportsnet six fifty. Halford Bruff in the morning. It's brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. We are in hour one of the program. Hour one is brought to you by North Star Metal Recycling, Vancouver's premier metal recycler. Pays the highest prices on scrap metal. North Star Metal Recycling. They recycle. You get paid. Visit them at eleven seventy Powell Street in Vancouver. Just to give you an idea of how excited I am about the potential of Phil Kessel coming to vancouver i went down a massive massive wormhole yesterday with what number he's gonna wear <laughs> so he's worn number 81 almost exclusively throughout his career but he can't wear that because dakota joshua's got that and you're not touching the third line in any capacity. in any way shape or form <laughs> now he wore number eight in vegas last year because jonathan marsh is so at 81 but again you can't wear eight because connor garland's got eight and you're not messing with the third line in any way shape or form Mm-hmm. And apparently, going to have to take eighteen from Lafferty. No, can't mess with the fourth line. <laughs> no messing with the team. No messing Phil. with the team. Uh, so I guess the reason he wore eighty-one was because he always liked wearing eight as a kid, but it was almost always gone. Uh-huh. So he's like, "Well, but no one will ever take eighty-one. That's why Phil Kessel's a smart guy." Um, I suggest 
that he wear number 80, 80. He would be the first Vancouver Canuck to ever wear number 80. That'd be cool. Yeah, 69 on him. my number. I had a feeling you were going to go there. I mean, has anybody ever done it? No. But you know what it is? Nice. They got to start. Let's go to the uh, phone line now. Dispatch, uh, plumbing, heating, and air conditioning hotline. Jeff Merrick joins us now on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Morning, Jeff. How are you? You don't think Dakota Joshua would give Phil Kessel his number? I don't know. I don't. You one, know, okay, hold on. Hold on. Hold on. For one I, second. Here's the Come thing. On. I think he would, and that's yeah. why I don't want it to happen because he's kind of earned. I mean, he's been great this year. That third line, like we said, I don't want it uh, altered in any way whatsoever. <laughs> I don't Nothing. even want any of them to change any of their skate laces. Nothing. Just keep oh it. My goodness. Keep, they should have the same breakfast they, every day. Like don't, I don't want anything to change. Don't tape it. your stick. Yeah. Just same, keep. Yeah. Same route to the rink. Exact mm-hmm. same profile. Yeah. Same tape job. Yeah. You just don't same mess with it. Breakfast, lunch, dinner. Don't mess with all of it. Yeah, that's. Um, that's healthy. That's good. That's yeah. Good. yeah. So we're, I want to start there before tough. I want to start there before we get to Kessel because I mean we were lauding that line after last night's performance. It's, Why not? It's unbelievable. They have sixty. We've points. been lauding it all season. Yeah. Honestly, they have sixty points combined in their last thirty games, Jeff. Like that—that's first line production. Never mind third. Yep. Listen, I, I don't know what more to add. They've been outstanding. They've been fantastic. To go to Joshua last night was tremendous. Like you're getting, you know, Rick Tockett type performances. Like we always talk about, we always think about, you know, Rick Tockett, oh, toughness and all this. And yeah, he was that. But let's not forget, too, like, Tockett could play. Like, I look at that third line, I'm just like, oh, that is just a Tockett dream. Mm-hmm. Like, the way, that the, the way that these guys are playing. Like, I don't know what more to add. Like, I don't know, did they also invent oxygen in British Columbia? I don't know. Like, what, what more can we say about them? Like, they're, they're, they're playing tremendous hockey. I don't know. It's just, just like we can do 20 minutes of hyperbole and exaggeration on them, but they've been great. Like, they've been fantastic. This is a, a real Rick Tockett-looking third line here. Uh, so, Jeff, the management in Vancouver and the coaching staff in Vancouver yep. has the big-time benefit of the doubt right now. We're kind of like... Do whatever you want. It's all seemed to work so far. Um, but admittedly, the Phil Kessel edition has a lot of us scratching our head because we're kind of like, all right, well, where does he fit? Not sure he's still a top six player at this point in his career. He right. ain't going to mess with the third line. Um, could he fit on a fourth line? Are they bringing him in in case of injury just as additional depth? There'd be nothing wrong with that. Are they bringing him in because he's good in the room and has won Stanley Cups? Um, have you heard anything about the reasoning behind the Canucks giving Phil Kessel a look? Let's walk, let's work through this. These are all great points. Let's work through this. Starting with, what's the hardest thing to do in the NHL? Win the Stanley Cup. Okay, from a game. Okay, I should be. I should be more. I should be more. <laughs> You're talking to Vancouver Canucks fans. It seems okay, impossible. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay, hold on. But I, I want. I want to get there with Kessel because I do have a. Okay, team. score goals. Score goal. Thank you. That's the hardest thing to do in the NHL. And listen, Vancouver has not had a hard time scoring goals <laughs> this season, as we've seen. But you know, stretches happen, and specifically in the playoffs, you know, defensive schemes tend to shut down big players. And that's where, to your previous point, your third lines really shine. We really started to see this in the salary cap era with the Anaheim Ducks. And that third line with you know, Moen and Niedermeyer and Sammy Paulson. Paulson probably could have won the Smythe Trophy. That's how good he was in those. But that's, that's where we really saw the rise of the third line in the salary cap NHL. But if you have a chance, like I've always maintained this, if you have a chance to move your team 
like in, in, in a salary cap era it, to, to improve your team, even by the slightest, you have to take a shot at it. And the thing about Phil Kessel is um, when you have to, like if you find yourself in a situation where you have to grind for every single goal, where every goal is a fight and every goal is a struggle, it takes a lot out of you physically. It takes a lot out of you mentally as well. But Phil Kessel is unique. Phil Kessel has the ability with, you know, two snaps of his wrist to put in two goals. Now, is he the same Phil Kessel that we saw in, you know, Toronto, Pittsburgh? Well, no, of, of course he's not. But if he still has that shot and if he can still play at the tempo, then you have someone that can score an easy goal. I've always maintained every team needs someone that can score an easy goal. That just like it's a release valve on the bench. Like, oh, Phil, thanks. Just a, a quick shot when we got a goal. We didn't have to grind for that one. We didn't have to work for that one. It didn't look ugly. You skated down the wing and you snapped it over the goaltender's shoulder. I think if Phil Kessel can do that, I don't think he's going to be a full-timer barring injuries, but I think if you're the Vancouver Canucks, you look at that, and of course with the relationship with Weatherford and Tockett, which is well-documented, you say to yourself, you know what? Along the way, we're going to need someone that can score a couple of easy goals. Why not, Phil? Let's see if there's something there. To me, it's a, it's a great calculated risk. And to get ahead of myself, I mean, you know my dream Stanley Cup final this season. Vancouver and Boston. The presence of Phil Kessel in all of it just makes my hockey dream for a Stanley Cup final that much juicier, gentlemen, that much juicier. How would you describe Phil Kessel's personality? Um, first of all, he's funny. I don't think that I, I think that he's he's indirectly funny. Like players love him, mm-hmm. and he is someone that doesn't mind being ribbed, and players love that about him. Like I think Phil Kessel has a really thick skin. Like he has the ability to to make fun of himself. You know, see the the hot dog story in Toronto, and then the subsequent hot dogs in the cup, and and all, all these types of things. He has the ability to make fun of himself. Um, at times he's been moody. Every hockey player has at times, you know, sensitive, like all hockey players have. I think he's a, a wonderful, wonderful personality that guys really like being around to the previous point about a uh, good guy in the room. Well, yeah, I know they don't flood the room, but in a, in a, in a, in a season that is as long as the NHL is a guy like Phil Kessel makes it fun to come to the rink, mm-hmm. right? Like you just like need Guys like that around. And again, if he can score you a couple of easy goals along the way to the Vancouver Canucks, why not? And who knows him better than Rutherford and Tockett? To me, it, it lines up to make sense. Even just to have a look to see if there's any there, there for Phil Kessel and the Vancouver Canucks. Halford, do you remember during one of those cup finals involving Pittsburgh when we were kind of behind the scenes and the Penguins had just won a game and ESPN was looking for Kessel to do the post-game interview, and he was panicked because he couldn't find his baseball hat. Yeah, Phil wanted a baseball hat, I like he that. because he was like sure. he yeah. he didn't he didn't want he didn't want his hair on national Alex, live TV. So he, he was like scurrying around behind the behind the scenes, like looking for his can, baseball cap, and like I could just see like how this guy must be absolutely loved in the room. Yeah, can I can I tell you a funny uh, a funny going bald story? It's my favorite going bald story in the NHL. Everybody has seen the Al Iafredi hit, 
right? Where he's yeah, playing yeah. with the Maple Leafs, yes. they're playing the Rangers, and he absolutely gets. I think it was Tom Laidlaw, who I think it was Tom Laidlaw who hit him. So as as someone <laughs> who was with the Maple Leafs pointed out to me years later, what? Because Ali Afrid was very very sensitive about losing his hair, very sensitive. And to your point, it's like you know, wear your baseball hat to the shower, put it on as soon as you're done your shower, so no one can see that you're going bald. So I, I want to say this: Laidlaw was it Ron Greshner? One of the two. I think it was Laidlaw. So Laidlaw hits Iafredi. We've all seen the uh, we've all seen the video. Is that when he and, slides along the bench and kind of yeah, hits, hits the he, yes and, yeah, and 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 hits hits the stanchion there yeah. and just like it's yard sale and his mm-hmm. helmet pops off and he's on the ice like that's a crunching body check. <laughs> Have a look at what the first thing Ally Afraidy does. He reaches for his helmet. To, like he just got demolished. <laughs> but the first thing in his head is, I got to get my bucket back on here. <laughs> that's, that's rivaled maybe only by the, uh, the I think it was uh, uh, Dave Hansen fight with Bobby Hall in the WHA when he went to grab his jersey and instead he grabbed his toupee and he ripped it off instead. And Hall came in and, 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 and got real close and no one could see that he was wearing a toupee and he, Hansen had to apologize the next period. And Hall said, ah, don't worry, kid, I needed a new one anyway. So a couple things here. One, you're correct. It was Laidlaw on Iafray. Okay. Back when we were doing the Curtain Blog in 07, we did this. It was a very painstaking endeavor, but we tried to figure out via vote what the greatest hit in NHL history was. That's so one of them. Laidlaw and Iafrady was one of them. Uh, I'm looking at the bracket right now. It was up against Scott Stevens on Paul Korea. So I was yeah, like, yeah, that that's, was a, that's a tough draw there. And then there was, of course, the, uh, what was it? Wendell Clark on Bell. Bruce Bell. Yeah, Bruce, Bruce Bell. Bell. Uh, Trevor Linden putting Norton through the glass. Anyway, there's a bunch of them. I'm going to go back and look at it at the break. But uh, we are speaking to Jeff Merrick, uh, host of the Jeff Merrick Show and the 32 Thoughts podcast here on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. I can't believe it took us this long to ask this question, Jeff, but did the NHL get it right or wrong with the five-game suspension for Morgan Riley? Um, for me, it's right. Uh, I know I might be in the minority on this one, but I think I think the key piece of the video that the Department of Player Safety released yesterday was Morgan Riley had a lot of time to make a different decision. This wasn't a heat of the moment. Like this is the thing that I kept coming back to. I'm sure you guys had the same discussion slash argument with with people over the past 72 hours about this one. The key piece of the video was yes, the cross check certainly, but the distance traveled between when Ridley Gregg shot the puck and Morgan Riley chased them. He had a lot of time to make a different decision. This is not heat of the battle. I know a lot of people look, you know, the Wayne Simmons cross check, et cetera. That's different. That is in a scrum. That is as the play is going on. And the one thing that the NHL um, really wants to, to try to dissuade in a significant way is violence after the whistle and significant violence where in Morgan Riley's case, uh, you skate half the width of the ice to do that and and cross-check the player high. To me, the key piece that really hurt Morgan Riley and the Maple Leafs in this situation was distance traveled and time. I think it was 4.1 seconds or 4.5 seconds that he had to make a different decision, and he chose not to, and he chose still to go high on Ridley Gregg. Uh, I know there's a sensitivity in the Department of Player Safety in the NHL for going six games or above because of the appeal process, and that does very much feel like it's it's thrown a chill into all these suspensions. But to me, for an act like that, like, okay, I understand that you got your feelings hurt. If you want to do something about it, you know, you can drop the gloves or you can, you know, hit them in the hips. Just, I don't know. But hitting some, a cross-check in the head 
after an empty net goal that hurt your feelings. Like that's like treating dandruff by decapitation. Like, I'm sorry, it's an annoyance and you don't like it. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean someone gets cross-checked in the head after the, after the goal is scored. Yeah. There's a difference between a reaction and an overreaction and Morgan Riley overreacted. Have you ever seen such a divergent uh, spread of (laughs) opinions on this? Like people have texted into our show and been like, it was like Dale Hunter on Pierre Turgeon. I'm like, it wasn't. Oh, it wasn't. No. It wasn't. No. Turgeon was badly hurt on that <laughs> yes. play. And other people have been like, you know, that's that's what Ridley Grieg deserves. At most, Morgan Riley should get a fine. So the range has been a fine to yeah. whatever it was Dale Hunter got, 21 games. 21 um, games why, yeah. why, why do you think that is? It, it was interesting the way that a lot of – a lot of veteran players who weighed in on this and veteran players that are, are now in the media um, had a, a lot of takes that had a lot of old school NHL in them, which is Ridley Gregg can't do that. And he got what he deserved. You know, I was waiting for like, to be honest with you, I was waiting for the one person to have the, the, the I was waiting for the one ex player to have the ultimate hot take, which is Ridley Gregg should have been suspended through all of like that. That didn't seem like that's where this was trending from a lot of ex-NHLers totally. who were like, oh, totally. yeah, he got what he deserved. Like, you can't do that. Like, that's disgraceful. Like, show some respect in the game. Here we go with the respect in the game um, argument. But even Claude Giroux, like at that interview at Hockey Night in Canada, right after the game, like Giroux on the one hand, you could tell that he was not cool with what Ridley Gregg did, but he didn't want to bury a teammate at all. So there was like a real sort of emotional tug um, happening in Claude Giroux's brain as he's live on television and talking to, you know, Ron Jen, uh, Kevin, and Elliot. So it was... It was a bizarre one. Um, the divergence of opinion doesn't surprise me. I mean, this is a big stage. It's Battle of Ontario. It's an emotional moment. Um, there's things like the code and, you know, uh, things like, you know, appropriate behavior all thrown into all of this. And I've always maintained that sports exist in a middle ground between what your head knows and what your heart feels. And a lot of people that led with their heart feel that, you know, uh, Morgan Riley didn't do anything wrong. And I think a lot of people that led with their head kind of looked at this and said, what are you talking about? A cross check in the head for scoring an empty net goal that you didn't like? Like, give your head a shake here. So uh, the, that, the other thing, too, is there's a very strong uh, tribalistic nature to this conversation. Because if you reverse the roles and you take Ridley Gregg and insert Matthew Nyes, and if you take Morgan Riley and insert Brady Kachuk, which way are Maple Leafs fans arguing and which way are Ottawa Senators fans arguing? I mm-hmm. think it's a complete 180 from both. Ridley Gregg is only 21 years old. Do you think he had any idea he had he did anything? Yes. He yeah. knows what he's doing. He yeah. knows. Like, that's the thing about this one. Everyone thinks, like, oh, wow, what, what chaos that was. I don't think that was chaotic at all. I think when Ridley Gregg did that, I think he knows that something is coming. And I think when Morgan Riley did what he did, he knows something is coming from the Department of Player Safety. Like it, it does to me, it was an entirely predictable event. Like I didn't think that more, when we saw it, I didn't think that Morgan Riley was going to go over and cross check him in the head. Mm-hmm. I thought maybe it would be a body check or he would drop the gloves. I didn't think it was going to be a cross check high and a cross check to the head. But at the same time, I don't think anyone can feign outrage or surprise when he was offered an in-person hearing. That is a significant, um, that is a significant penalty based on what Ridley Gregg just did or a significant offense based on what Ridley Gregg just did. To me, the entire thing was kind of predictable. 
to be honest with you. I don't I don't see it as chaotic at all. I think Ridley Gregg knew something was coming and Morgan Riley and the Maple Leafs knew something was coming. And they were just crossing their fingers, hoping they could get this thing down to a four. If it turned into a four, it'd be a miracle. Instead, it was a five. How much of the support for Morgan Riley among Leafs fans stems from the fact that they, a lot of them have been dying for more pushback yes. from the yes. Leafs and then they yes. and then then there's is that a, is that a factor in all this yes 100 percent true I mean what's been the criticism of Maple Leafs in this area too much so- in this era too much soft skill right oh yeah wildly talented team but like where's the toughness where's the dirt under the fingernails you know it's uh it's it, 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 it's a bunch of guys you know that shower before they go to work not after they go to work <laughs> you know it's like where's 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 the the nine to five the lunch bucket kind of element here about uh, about how the uh, about how the Maple Leafs play, and as dumb as it may have been, make no mistake about it. When Morgan Riley comes back, the Toronto Maple Leafs, there will be a standing ovation for Morgan Riley's first shift, because right or wrong, that's what Maple Leafs fans have been looking for from this Maple Leafs team for a long time. Morgan Riley turned himself into a folk hero, cost him five games. Cost Maple Leafs five games. They're nip and tuck for a wild card spot right now, but Morgan Riley is coming back a folk hero. Uh, who is the most likely team to address their goaltending before the trade deadline? And I should note that the LA Kings lost seven to nothing last night to Buffalo. <laughs> I was going to ask you. This isn't me reporting. This is me just wondering about this. Okay. Uh, would you, if you're the Los Angeles Kings, trade Adrian Kempe for UC Saros? <sighs> Uh, they're all in the Kings are. So yeah. I think, I don't think anything's off the table. Grunstrom got hurt last night, by the way, too. So that's another thing yeah. we got to deal with. But, um, I, you know, I, I think at this stage of the game, like they've already gone to the coach firing and I actually had it in the notes. I'm like, is the new coach bump already dead in LA? Cause seven, nothing's pretty bad. So I would yeah. say yes. Like that's a huge price to pay. Cause Kempe is really good. But if you're all so, in, you're all in. Yeah. So you may as well so, go for it. The two the, the two deals that I'm wondering about, because I believe the two teams that are mainly involved in Saros are Los Angeles and Carolina. And with Carolina, I think we're wondering about Martin Natchez. And I was watching this game last night. And listen, we all know Nashville wants goal scoring. Like they need players that can that, that can score here, put the puck in the net. Um, I, I do wonder, and the, with Adrian Kempe, the money washes. His modified no-trade clause doesn't kick in until next season. Um, I don't know where the organization is at with Kempe. Was he one of the players that Drew Doughty was talking about with, you know, you know, cookie time and, you know, these guys from the cookie monsters and, and just want their point. I don't know. I'm not there. I'm just wondering to myself, Nashville wants points. Nashville wants goals. And they've got Yaroslav Askarov, who's just been lighting it up in the American Hockey League. He's much like Dustin Wolf in Calgary. He's outlived his time in the American Hockey League. He's ready for full-time NHL work here. I, I just wonder if there's a there's a marriage uh, there that includes either Adrian Kempe or, or Martin Natchez. Uh, but that would that would that would be that that team, and then also uh, the New Jersey Devils. And by the way, like for a while there, what were the shots in that New Jersey Nashville game? It was like twenty two to five. Like New point. Jersey was just bombing Nashville, and Soros was standing on his head. And I'm thinking to myself, is this the moment where Tom Fitzgerald says, "Yeah, you know what? We really need to just bite the bullet and get the elite level goaltender because we're probably just a goalie away here." Our producer Laddie says that Nico Dawes is the answer in New Jersey. By the way, well, Jack Hughes thought so the other night, right? And we all thought that he was taking a shot at the rest of the goaltenders, and he might have too. But yeah, Nico Dawes was 
was exceptional two nights ago for uh, for the New Jersey Devils. But uh, I have a soft spot for Nico Dawes, but um, I don't know that he's going to be your full time answer. Good Burlington boy, right now. Uh, Burlington boy, Ontario kid, uh, Guelph Storm, all of it. My favorite OHL team when I was at university, for sure. Uh, we gotta, we're up against it for time, so we gotta let you go. And it speaks to how busy a night it was that we didn't even mention that Connor McDavid had six assists and the, uh, uh the Oilers this is, won this is a we didn't even mention it. Yeah. Yeah. Only six. This, this is a recording. Six. McDavid was six points, but <laughs> yeah. I didn't even score a goal. I had one taken away. Like, yeah. please, come on, Connor. Uh, Jeff, thanks Can for doing it. Jeff, thanks for Can doing this, do bud. It. We appreciate it. Thanks boys. Okay. Have thanks a good one. Time. That's Jeff Merrick from, uh, the Jeff Merrick Show and the 32 Thoughts broadcast as I completely trampled over him at the end there. Send my apologies to Jeff, but we had to go. We're up against it for time. Uh, Scott Wheeler is going to join us next to talk about where the Canucks rank in terms of their prospects in the NHL. Uh, still not a top 10 team, but uh, we're moving on up here in Vancouver. You're listening to the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650.